Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Buying and Selling with Free. My name is Labrina Deuce. I'm a realtor and owner of the KLS Realty Group. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about me. I have two special guests tonight. I am a retired Army. I spent 28 years in the military. I am currently a realtor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I have been a realtor going on uh, 10 years in October. I am that realtor that whatever you need, I will do everything that I can uh, to get it done. Um, if you are a first-time buyer, seller, you're looking to lease, to buy, to sell, to rent, or if you just want information about down payment assistance, you know, or if you have credit issues, I have someone for that. I have someone for that. I am also, too, a mentor to 10 agents in my brokerage. Um, that is very uh, pleasing to me, and I get excited when I see them uh, do their first deal. I really do. I am a multi-million uh, dollar top producer as well. So saying that, um, if you are not sure what you want to do, whether you want a new bill, the market has really, really changed. It is a very tight market out there. But if you want more information about new construction or just how to apply for a house or the steps to buying a home, um, just contact me at 817-975-9284 or you can go to my website and um, www.labritadues.com or you can just go to my Facebook business page, Labrita, the KLS Realty Group um, and just inbox me and I will uh, give you a call there. Um, like I said, tonight we have uh, two special guests. His name is Ken, better known as the Waffle Man. His business is located in um, Cedar Hill, Texas. Uh, we're going to talk to him for about mm, 10 minutes. He's going to talk to you about his business. He's going to let you know uh, where his business is located. My second guest is definitely who you all are wanting to talk to and ask questions about. He is a lender. It is DeMont Mathis. He is the senior loan officer with Nexo Mortgage. Without further ado, let me bring you up, Ken, the Waffle Man. How you doing? How you doing? Hi, Ken. How are you doing? And welcome, welcome. And thank you so much for uh, coming on my podcast. And uh, just like thank with Kesha, Miss Kesha is a person, she loves promoting businesses. And when she, she'll she put out in the group, uh, somebody wants to you know talk about their business, I am always obliged to help anyone that's trying to um, promote their business. So um, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in business and where is your business and located and what, what are you, what do, what do you serve in your restaurant? Okay. Yeah. Right now I'm, I'm a wholesaler caterer, uh, Ken's famous waffles. Uh, I've been in business since May, 2019. Uh, it kind of, was by accident. I, I'm an author. I've written two books on relationships. I always thought my claim to fame was going to be into being uh, hosting forums and, and 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 book clubs and those type of things. But working in mortgage, we had a uh, a single mile spread, and I volunteered to bring my waffles. And with me being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, 
I had a uh, co-worker there who was a Cowboys fan. So mm-hmm. after tasting the waffles, everybody was so uh, amazed and, and impressed by the flavor. He made a profound statement to me at that time. He was saying, Ken, it's just like you, a Steelers fan, sleeping on your gift. And when he said that, it kind of just slapped me in the face and bells and light bulbs started going off. And I really thought, maybe this is my ticket. So I researched everything, got my LLC, my EIN. I started researching wholesale pricing and all these mm-hmm. type of things. And I began selling 32 ounce jars of pre-made batter. Um, and again, that was in May uh, 19th, 2019. And I've been in for about two years now. I uh, started out with about 10 jars a month to right now. I'm averaging about 50, 55 jars a month sold. Uh, I'm in Cedar Hill. Uh, and just in the beginning of May, I, I began offering uh, waffles and wings plates where you get a uh, whole Belgian waffle, two whole jumbo wings, fries, and that's for a value of $12. So uh, I'm really excited about it. And, and I really love the reactions that I get. Okay, we have a question for you. Do you cater or you cook for private parties? I do. I, I have the largest that I've cooked for at this time was uh, was 55 people. Uh, I just did an event yesterday uh, for a birthday brunch. Uh, I've also will host book club meetings and provide food, you know, with my books and or whatever books you have. Uh, so yes, I do offer caterers chicken, uh, waffles, catfish, shrimp those are on the menus and they're all priced on my website www.kensfamouswaffles.com uh, can you repeat that again so it can be uh, put in the comments please absolutely is- okay uh, just uh, kensfamouswaffles.com or you can go to www.kensfamouswaffles.com okay do you have um, any social media pages or anything I do and it's the same name from Instagram it'll be Ken's underscore famous underscore waffles uh facebook you can follow me personally at waffle man and you'll see a picture of me there with the, with my t-shirt on or for my fan page on facebook it's ken's famous waffles okay so when the pandemic hit how did that affect you or did it not affect you or did it grow your business it grew my business uh a lot of people were at home and they wanted good food. <laughs> so what better food to eat all day than King's Famous Waffles? So my sales did increase. I ran certain specials, uh, two for ones. Uh, we had a few holidays that came through during that time. Um, and then me trying to start a new tradition because the Friday breakfast after Thursday Thanksgiving is just as important as the meal on Thursday. So I ran a few commercial ads that I had created with me and uh, a camera guy that I know, and um, and that did real well also. Okay, so do you have do you have a, a, a truck? Or are you mobile, or do you have a place where people can come in and sit down? Or I'm 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 right now I'm a, I'm a cottage seller, you know, mm-hmm. as far as wholesale. Uh, I do sell plates from home, but I am meeting, going into different venues. I, I went out to uh, VIP Nutrition and serve food there okay. at, at a Lounge. I've, I've sold plates and as a vendor, uh, the Daiquiri Shop, 
uh, out of Frankfurt, and they also own a facility in Grand Prairie. So I have ventured out and did joint ventures with other Black-owned businesses. Okay, what do you mean by cottage vendor? What do you What do you mean by that? Uh, I'm at home. It's, it's kind of like the cottage cost you. I'm, I'm, I'm a home base. Oh, so okay. Okay. So okay. Okay, so if someone wanted to just pick up a few places, you'll meet them or will they come to your residence or do you have no, a special no. place to meet them? Exactly. Yes, ma'am. No, it's only pick up now because Dallas is so vast and I don't, and I don't want to really compromise the flavor and the crispness of the waffle. So it's only pick up on okay. Wednesdays and Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. All right. Uh, and once the order is placed, customer service will then send you an email confirmation as well as a text confirmation. And at that time, the uh, pickup uh, arrangements, will, it will be scheduled. Okay. So can you repeat that again? So um, it can be put in the feed. So what yes, time do you serve again? 11. Yes, what days and what time? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays from 11 a.m. To 8 p.m., you can do the pickups for the hot plates. Uh, I want I want to open up on Saturday and on and on Sunday, but I get so many events <laughs> that I have to cater that it really compromises me having to do all the prep for events. So it's kind of hard to manage that. But 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Wednesdays and Thursdays. Now, as far as the 32 ounce jars, they mm -hmm. are offered. Uh, they're available for pickup and delivery. And each 32-ounce jar of pre-made batter is good for 15 days refrigerated. They can okay. also be frozen as long as you thaw them out for 24 hours in the refrigerator. Okay. So do you uh, cook to order your food or the food is already prepared? But do you cook to order? Yes, ma'am. Cook the order. That's why we arrange the times. Cause I want to. I want to prep it. I want to prepare it for you right when you get here. You may have to wait a minute because I want to do the waffles at the very last time part of that. But yes, that's when you'll get it, and that's why we schedule the pickup times. You know, during the COVID, if there were a lot of businesses, black owned, every every type of race, a lot of businesses were. They, a lot of businesses were, were developed in COVID, and mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, did well. Since exactly. COVID is over, are you still getting that same consistency as your business, or has it changed? No, it's the same consistency, and not more, because networking, how I how I promote and market and network allows it to grow. If on my page, you'll see that I take videos and post videos of people's first taste reaction. Yes, and I saw. That. You, and and the, the key to that is not only do I friend that individual, I make sure that I tag mutual friends that we may share. And then also a few other people to kind of see it. And then you go into a lot of these Dallas black restaurant type groups and make sure you post it there. Friend the admins. You gotta always friend request and befriend the admins. Yes. So your post doesn't sit, you know, and it's just strategies and as well as uh um just having a pretty uh, pretty expensive uh, following on Instagram as well as uh, Facebook. Okay, so like when you said you hold your events, um, as far as price-wise, I know things change, the price of food is changing, just like everything else. Is there like a basic price that you have for like a group of 10? 
And what will that, does it consist of the entire menu or do you have like, for this amount, you get this, for this amount, you get that. Is it, or you can set it up the way that you want to set it up. You set it up the way you want to. My, the, the first question I'm going to ask is, uh, what do you? How many people and what items do you want? Not everyone serves the entire, want everything on the menu. Some people just want the, the waffle. Okay, well, if you're just wanting the waffle and you want just the jars, and I don't have to do any labor, then I'm just going to sell to you as a complete wholesale. Buy the jars, you can do what okay. you want. Okay. You know what I mean? And. Yes. Um, if I have to serve there, then I'm, if, and it's the whole thing, you're going to average probably twenty dollars per person. That's the that's the average rate. That which that would include prep, time, cook, gas, everything, and the food. Okay, okay. So do you? They have to still select their own venue. You'll just come and uh, prepare the food and set it up. It's like buffet style when you come. When you do the catering, it's still buffet style. You have servers and everything else, or do they have I, to provide the service? No, no, no. I, I, it, it just all depends on what they want. I do have servers. We do have a team. Okay. Uh, so if they're wanting me to bring the food and serve it as well, then we'll have all the hot trays and everything going. And I usually do waffles live. I don't, oh, okay. I don't pre-cook waffles. I can keep chicken warm. You know what I mean? I can keep catfish or shrimp, you know, slightly warm. We have warmers there. Uh, but waffles are going to be cooked live. Okay, that's that was going to be my question. Is waffles do get cold? So the waffles at any catering event, it will be cooked as you requested. Absolutely, uh, okay. I'll have a mount because each jar, each jar makes about you get twenty four waffles out of a gallon. So okay. I can kind of gauge that thirty two ounces makes six. So. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of gauge how many, how much volume or quantity I need and, and how many waffle lines I need to take with me and I'll be able to serve how many other people I need to take care of. Okay, this is this is really, um, really good stuff. Um, the comments and everything, everyone is excited again. So just do me uh, one time, where are you located? Your phone number, your websites, and your social media pages. Absolutely. I. Uh, Kansas Famous Waffles is located in Cedar Hill, Texas. Um, the website is just simple. The name KansasFamousWaffles.com. Um, that's the, also the name that you can find me under in, uh, Instagram. Um, Kansas underscore Famous underscore Waffles. And then also my personal page, I am the Waffle Man. If you just look up Waffle Man, you'll find me. And then also on uh, Facebook, you can see Kansas Famous Waffles. Uh, we're serving hot plates Wednesdays and Thursdays, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. That will be a whole Belgian waffle, two jumbo wings and fries. Uh, we also have the 32-ounce jars of, of waffle mix. Um, both are for $12, um, and you can get them right at my, web, at my website. Okay, all right. Let me say this. I'm going to come to see the here. I'm going to place an order. Um, I'm going to come and try your food, and I will be glad to do a live video and I also want to thank you so much for taking time out to come to my podcast and introduce your business if you want to come back next month just let me know and, and I'll have you back or you know just let me know and I will, oh, I will bring you back I, will bring hey, you I appreciate back. you allowing me to be on your venue I really do and your oh, you're so welcome you're so welcome again y'all everyone give the Waffle Man, a round of applause, and go try his food out. Go try his food out, and uh, I'm pretty sure with all the re reviews and the videos that I saw, 
Look, you know, we, we you like know. it as good. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate you for taking time to come to my webcast, Buying and Selling with Bree. Yes, ma'am. And thank you for your service. You are so welcome. And thank you. All right. All right. Okay, guys. Up next, up next, uh, we have Mr. Mont Max. He is the Senior Loan Officer at Nexus Mortgage. This day and time, Please ask any and all questions that you have. He's going to give out his information. But with the market is like it is, this is the man of the hour. This is who we need to buy a house. Without further ado, Mr. DeMont Mathis, please welcome, welcome, welcome. I We can't hear you. Thank you very much. How's everyone doing? it going how's it going today and thank you so much for uh coming to my podcast i so greatly appreciate it i so greatly appreciate it i appreciate that you know, the walker the, the the way the market is today um buyers 42 offers on one property i mean it's just ridiculous out there just not enough houses you know it's, it's more buyers than it is sellers Right. You know, right now the sellers are only taking uh, conventional loans over the FHA loans. And right. saying that, please explain to the audience why sellers are taking conventional loans over FHA loans, and then we'll get back to the FHA loans. Okay. Well, I mean, as far as the conventional, the conventional um, appraisal is a lot easier than FHA appraisal. So uh, if you look at a buyer that has someone that, first of all, it's not even just conventional, it's cash buyers first, then conventional, and then FHA and VA are, are totally last, but mainly because of the of the appraisal. Um, as you can see, a lot of these buyers are waiving their appraisals, they're waiving their inspections, and I'm sure as a, as a, as a realtor, you're kind of like against that, waiving those rights for you because those rights are there to protect you as a home buyer. Uh, but when they waive those rights or whatnot, some of the things that they're waiving, like the inspection is going to tell you what's wrong with the property, right. give or take, before the appraisal is done. So if, it, if it's waived and we do an FHA appraisal and there are some things that needs to, that need to be fixed in that house, on that property, the seller is going to say, well, you waived your right to this, so I'm not going to fix this. Well, in order to get that appraisal to clear through FHA, you have to fix it. Otherwise, they just want to walk away from it. So um, conventional was just the easiest loan to do. One, because you're talking about better credit scores. Uh, you're talking about a lower debt to income ratio. Um, and a lot of times you're talking about someone that has at least 5% to put down with, with other reserves and stuff. So it, it's just an easier loan to do per se. Now, I don't personally agree with that just because, again, I have a lot of FHA loans that I do. And sometimes FHA is just a better loan for the for the for the bike, you know, because I have clients now that can go either FHA or conventional. But if I can get them a better rate and take them FHA, where there is a difference of maybe a half a point and you know, a three, four, five hundred thousand dollar house, that half a point is a huge, you know, it's a huge uh, deal when we're talking about your monthly payment. So uh, essentially, if, if I want to take you FHA, to me, 
some cases that can be a better law. It just depends on the client and what we're looking at. Okay, I have a question. I have a question first, and then I'm going to ask you a question from the audience. As far as on the conventional law, if they, when they bypass the appraisal and inspection, that goes through underwriting, or is that a certain form that you have to sign? I know it's the appraisal addendum, but is there something that the, the buyers need when they bypass the appraisal? I mean, when they bypass the inspection on your end? Because oh. when they go out there to do a conventional loan and say the appraisal say, oh, the air condition is broken, being that they bypass the you know inspection, how does that fly? So the way it works is when you say they, they bypass the, the appraisal. And the inspection. They're not bypassing the appraisal per se. We still got to do an appraisal because at the end of the day, the, the lender, we want to make sure that the property is going to appraise or what it's going to appraise for. So an example, $300,000 uh, property, right? We got a contract for 300000 mm -hmm. Let's say that it appraised for two ninety, but the the buyer waived, which is really not the correct term, but let's just say waived the, the appraisal. Uh -huh. So pretty much what they're doing is they're agreeing to bring that additional $10,000 or whatever it prays for the additional dollar amount that, that, that is short. So again, if it's a $300 sales price, $300,000 sales price and it, and it prays for 290, then that's an additional 10 grand that the buyer is talking about bringing to closing, right? So when you start talking about additional problems, the AC unit went out or, you know, uh, foundation issues, whatever it may be. Those are things that the, that the buyer are going to have to eat because they signed that waiver saying that they was going to give up on that. I mean, that they were going to bypass the inspection. Okay, so how does that differ with the FHA when they bypass? On the FHA loan, can you bypass the inspection? Well, I mean, you can bypass the inspection on. The inspection is to protect you as a homeowner. If you decide that you don't want the inspection, that's a decision that, that, that you made. The inspection is not... It's not something that is required. However, um, when the appraisal is done, a lot of things that come up on the inspection report could be could be on the appraisal. The appraiser could go in and see that there are there's wood rot or there are cracks in the you know in the foundation or things like that or some things missing in, in the attic or some, some wires that need to be replaced. So in saying that, um, the appraisal I mean the inspection would typically catch a lot of that. So that the, the the buyer could say, hey, we need for you guys to replace this. Or if they're comfortable, say, okay, well, I can pay, I can pay for that. So I'm not concerned with that. But ultimately speaking, when the FHA appraisal is completed, uh, that appraiser can have some of those things outlined in this appraisal and can have it set up as a subject too, meaning that those things have to be replaced. And he would have to he or she would have to come back out in order to get the final approval. So on that FHA um, bypassing the appraisal and the inspection, what if the seller don't want to agree to fix anything because they bypassed the appraisal? So does that FHA appraisal still last for six months or with that information on it? Or how does that work? It Well, for FHA, yes. I mean, the, the appraisal is is going to, to last. Um, so... Let's say that the buyer walks away and let's just say 30 days later, a new buyer pops up, right? Well, as soon as they do the contract, 
that FHA case number is going to be assigned and it's going to be a, it's going to be an appraisal attached to it. So what has to happen is they're going to have to contact that lender, pay for that appraisal in order to have it have the appraisal transferred from there. Now, if they happen to go conventional, it's then you can order a new appraisal. Right. So you don't have to worry about it. So that's why a lot of times in this market, now that you, you're saying that, that's why they are bypassing FHA altogether because they don't want to deal with that. So that's that's the biggest problem right now, just because of that. Okay, so I have two questions. The first okay. question is the FICO score. It says, is it needed or vintage score? Is it FICO that's needed or vintage score? That's the question. That's that's a tough question to ask from me because I'm a little I'm a little different when it comes to that. Um, for your your credit score, what I tell my clients is. Go to myfico.com, um, and what myfico.com does is it gives you your mortgage score, it gives you the score for auto, gives you the score for credit cards and other types of loans. What a lot of people don't understand is there are different uh, scoring models out there. So somebody will call you and say, "Well, hey, my credit score is 725." Right? First thing I'm asking is, "Where are you looking? Are you looking on your?" Uh, you know, your credit card, you, the deal that you got through your credit card company, are you looking at uh, Credit Karma? Uh, because those are all viable credit reports, right? And credit scoring systems, but it's not the mortgage scoring system. So what I do is I send them a copy of, of our mortgage, uh, of, of our credit report, and I show them like right next to Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, it gives you the scoring model that is used. The mortgage okay. industry uses the same scoring model. So if I pull your credit or if Joe Blow from ABC uh, Mortgage Company in Hackensack, New Jersey, pull your credit score, I mean, it's going to be the same score. It's nothing different. However, if you go and have someone from an auto industry, and you're trying to buy a car, pull your score, it may be different. So a lot of times people be confused and say, well, my credit score is this. That's not the case. So again, what I do is to give them that idea is I educate them one on it. And I got this for my credit guy. Uh, but I educate them about it initially, and then I show it to them by having them to go in, especially if you're trying to buy a house, go to myfico.com, sign up for that service. It's $43 or something like that, uh, $43 a month. But what it does is it gives you every score that you need for any industry in which you're trying to get a loan for. That way you can't confuse what your actual score is because you're going to see different credit scores for different industries. Okay, so the MyFICO. That goes for all lenders or just you or all lenders use that? No, no. All lenders don't use that. I just use that because to me, that's a segue to educate my buyers on the difference between the credit scores because it can be quite confusing. Now, as a lender, I try to tell people I stay in my lane. Credit ain't it's not my game. Now, my credit guy has, has educated, educated me and educated me enough to be able to have a conversation. But when it get a little too hairy, about the different this, different that. I tend to, you know, refer them to him to ask. But my my go to is always my FICO because my FICO is going to basically give you the outline of what you need in order to see exactly what your scores are. Because you don't have to worry about uh, Demont Mathis or Jimmy so and so or such and such giving you credit scores. If you sign up for myfico.com, what happens? You can go in and you can log in and see exactly what your score is anytime you want to for any industry in which you're trying to apply for a loan. In addition to that, what it also does is if 
something hits your credit, something's removed from your credit. Uh, it gives you alerts for all of that. It's a great tool for anybody, not just trying to buy a house, but a great tool for anyone that's credit conscious. Okay, so on the uh, student loan issue, there are some questions about the student loan. What Game changer. It's a game changer. Can you kind of go into detail as much as you can to explain that to the audience? Oh, uh, well, okay. So in the past, when student student loan debt was almost like a like a solid funeral, it was a you know the, the death blow, uh, especially for you know my sisters and brothers out there that are educators, you know that have you know literally anywhere between eighty to hundreds of thousand dollars in student loan debt. Um, uh-huh. It broke my heart to, to to not be able to qualify someone because we have to count one percent of their student loan debt against their debt to income ratio. And we're talking about student loan debt that may have been in a deferred status or possibly in an income-based repayment plan, the whole nine. But FHA didn't care. It's 1%. So if you had $100,000 in student loan debt, uh, we had to count $1,000 against your debt-to-income ratio. And then let's be honest, as a teacher, depending on what you're doing, you know, that's that's pretty tough to overcome uh, on your debt, especially if you have car payments and credit cards and things of that nature, just everyday living, right? Um, and then when we look at conventional, now conventional, on the other hand, it was a lot easier for conventional because conventional, uh, it was 1% if it was in the deferred status. But if you were in an income-based repayment plan and whatever was on the credit report, as long as you had documentation showing that your income-based repayment plan was amortized over a certain amount of time or what have you, if the, if the, if the, the documents that you have said that your payment was $0, then guess what? Uh-huh. We can go to $0. But the only time that that changed would be if you were in deferred status. Uh, same thing with FHA. The only way you can get around the 1% with FHA is if it was amortized, it was amortized payment. So if you had $100,000 in debt and your amortized payment schedule, you know, payment was, you know, $350, then we can use a $350 instead of, instead of the $1,000 a month payment. However, you had to make at least, set up a new payment plan and make at least one payment. Okay. And then they but now, now the game changer is okay. uh, it's a half a percent. So instead of charging somebody that has a hundred thousand dollars in debt, now we can charge a half a percent, which will basically be five hundred. So literally, what I'm having to do now is I'm having to go back through a lot of loans that I had uh, buyers that were on the cusp, but they had a ton of student loan debt. I'm having to go in and change all of that and DTIs are dropping like crazy. That's good, that's good. So on the FHA, in other words, it just cut the payment in half. Pretty much. Just what it was. It went from, went from 1% to a half a percent. Okay, and that is a game changer because sometimes that $500, I mean, some people were just, and some of them still with the $500, they're just gonna be, they're gonna be right there. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's tough because if you think about it, we're talking about counting a debt that theoretically you're not even paying on. Right. You know what right. I mean? So you like $500, that's $500 could be going someplace else, but I don't need to pay on my student loan debt right now because it's in a deferred status. So why am I being hit for 500? But like I tell my buyers, you have to understand the government is not going to allow you to get them twice. If you have a loan with the government, they want to make sure that that loan is going to be repayable. Otherwise, they're going to tax you for it just in case. Okay. It's always a just in case. 
it is always a just in case. So why is it that the FHA loans are not being taken? Is it because it's just too much stipulations or the, the, the sellers don't want to be bothered with it? And everything in the conventional, I mean, conventionals, that's all they want. Conventionals, conventionals. Is there a difference to the audience? Is there a difference in the down payment with the FHA and the conventional? Yeah, I mean, well, with, with FHA, is, is, it's going to always be three and a half percent. Conventional, you're talking about three percent, uh, depending on the credit score and or five percent. Um, the thing about about conventional loans is, you know, I have lenders because i have over 120 different lenders that i can shop with okay. um right the thing of it is is when you're looking at conventional typically 640 is going to be the credit score in which you could go down to right uh however what a lot of buyers don't understand is your pmi or in this case your mip which is the mortgage insurance premium the the insurance that's that's placed on it to protect the lender in case of default is going to be high because you're talking about a low a lower credit score and if you're putting five percent down they may tax you because of the loan of value because you're not putting down 20 percent and um your um, debt to income ratio depending on what it is so it it makes it a little bit more difficult to take someone with a 640 conventional now i have done it and i have actually got a few loans that are closing in july that i had to do that for because of the loan limits but going back to, to the question that you initially asked as to why are they taking that? I mean, not taking the FHA loans over the conventional. It's because, you know, is FHA a more risky loan? Yes, it is. But I mean, let's be honest. The, the loans were put out there because we have home buyers. We, we want everybody to be in homes, but lower credit scores because you can go down to 580. Uh, in some cases, you can go down to 500. I have a lender that will go down to 500 if they got 10 percent. Uh, you're talking about a higher debt to income ratio, whereas with conventional, your your DTI, which is a debt, debt to income ratio, is 45%. With FHA, it's 57%. So we're talking about a 12% difference between conventional and, and FHA. That's a big number because you're talking about 57% of your your income before before we talk before taxes. That's going to be used to qualify you. So. We're not even talking about after taxes. You know, we're talking about before taxes. So that's that can be kind of dangerous from a standpoint of a lender as from a lending aspect, because you want to make sure that when you put someone in the home, they're going to be able to make those payments. And you don't want to set somebody up for failure because three and a half percent down on the three hundred thousand dollar house. That's ten thousand five hundred. That's a lot of money. Then another three percent in closing costs. You know, so ultimately you're talking about somebody putting twenty thousand dollars into a house. You don't want to set them up for failure. And we repeat the cycle of 06. I mean, we don't, we don't want that again, right? So I got a question for you. Uh, what are the th top three things for loans right now being denied? Um, I, <laughs> Honestly, I don't really do a lot of denials. Um, and the reason being, I, I put together game plans in, in order to prevent that. So I guess the question would be, what, what are some of the things that are stopping some homeowners from purchasing right now if they're ready to purchase right now? So in saying that, uh, a lot of times it, it's income, uh, it's assets. Everybody would like to have down payment assistance. And I, I used to do a ton of DPAs. And 
And, and if I'm being honest with you, I think you and I had this conversation once, you know, the, the DPA was not made for someone not to come with anything. Meaning right. that it's a struggle to get you across the line when you get into a $300,000 house with no money out of pocket and you're getting deep down payment assistance and then you're borrowing money from this person. And that, that's not what the program was meant for. And it's, it's, it's stressful on everybody involved, including the buyer. So um, in terms of, of what I look at when, when I'm doing my loans, I'm looking at, do you have money? Do you have the income? And more importantly, how much are you wanting to pay? Because people will tell you they want a, a $350,000 house, but they don't want to pay number $1,500 a month. Yeah. And that's not fair. You know, that's not fair to you as a realtor. So that's why I asked that question because they have you out there searching for 350, knowing that they don't want that 350 payment because they don't know what it is. So to answer the question again, we're talking about the debt to income ratio, income, which really ties into the DTI and assets, uh, money that you may have in order to use for down payment of closing costs. And credit. That is and credit and credit. So speaking of credit, you say you have hundreds of lenders that you you know work with. Does each lender have their own requirement as far as getting approved? Or I, mean, I know you can't answer that fully, but every lender that you have, like if somebody have a 580 credit score, you know which lender to send that to. Right. I mean, that is the thing. I mean, send that to right. I, I do. I mean, I have a lender for just about every need. So, okay. an example, if we dealing with with, you know, 640 credit scores on the FHA. Anything over 640 for FHA or anything above 680 going conventional. One lender I use, UWM. Close them in two weeks. Just that simple, right? I mean, the rates are, you can't beat the rates and they they maneuver like a well-oiled machine. I'm talking about, you think you on an assembly line with the way they do things, right? Uh, you got a, a 600, you know, credit score. I got a lender Orion that I use. So for each specific need, I have a lender specifically for that situation. Uh, okay. So every lender, so just say for instance on a conventional loan, mm-hmm. what is the minimum credit score, or is there not a minimum credit score? And what is the minimum credit score for like FHA? Uh, okay. Well, for for conventional, it's going to be six forty. All right. Okay. Uh, for FHA, we can go all the way down to 500. Now, here's the thing. 500 credit score FHA, you're talking about 10% down. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you don't want to put the 10% down, if you still want to stay within that 3.5% threshold, 580. Now, a lot of lenders are not are not doing that. Uh, okay. It's good that, that at this point I'm a broker because I'm able to find the lenders that will. Um, in order to help out and, and, and get that loan. But before, you know, because when COVID took place, you know, pre-COVID 580 was, was the standard. 580 was like, you know, like what what 500 is today back then, right? Now, when you're talking about um, what a lot of other lenders are doing, they're taxing you a little bit at a 640. But I literally have... I had, I think I priced out a loan a couple of days ago. It was a 601, I want to say. And I think the, the interest rate was like three and a quarter, oh. which I'm like, that's crazy, you know? 
But again, we have some really good lenders because we get really good pricing. So as long as everybody have their ducks and you know ducks in a row or whatnot, there's a loan out there for anybody. Okay, that that was going to be my next question. The lower the credit score, is it going to be higher the interest rate? Especially when they down to like five forty or five eighty, is the interest rate going to be different, or they can still at three percent or three and a half? Or it really all depends on their debt and everything else. It does. Well, here's the thing. So what happens is when when you're talking about the the pricing. So uh, there are some key factors that take place when you think about the pricing in, in a whole. One, what is the loan value, right? So if we're talking about putting 10% down, okay, let's say they put 20. So now they're going in with 20% down and they have a huge stake in the property. So that helps off the top, right? Two, if they have reserve. So we know that, that they got reserves. Now we know that the, the loan value is 80% because they put 20% down. And now let's say, okay, they don't have a lot of debt. Maybe they just had, you know, was, was married, had a bad divorce. And I mean, it was crazy. That's why the credit score is it was affected so bad, right? So in a situation like that, we can look at potentially buying down the rate. Or in this case, for us, rates are just still really low. So I'm not seeing a lot of 4% interest rates now. A place that I was at previously, our rates were a little higher. But again, we was dealing with a different market too. Yes, yes. So another question we have, what are the reserves that you are required? It well, it, it depends. So just to give it to you, reserve reserves is basically uh assets. Like if you, you know, your money that you may have in your checking your savings account, 401k, um, stocks, bonds, so forth and so on, right? Uh, we can even add gift funds, which is basically, you know, money that's coming from uh, a relative, right? In uh, saying that, it different lenders require different things. I can't tell you exactly what it would be because what we do is we run, we run DU, which is our desktop underwriter. That's what gives all lenders the form and to say that this, you know, hey, the loan is approved, to what well, is approved in order to move forward, right? It's not the final approval. It hadn't went to underwriting uh, yet, but that is the premise in which the underwriter or the processor and the underwriter underwriter will follow, uh, which is DU. DU will let us know, okay, everything looks good. We need for you to check, you know, check verification of rent. We need for you to check the income. We need VOEs, which is verification of employment. And they need two months worth of reserves. So it'll let us know. A lot of times to come back, they don't need any reserves. Okay. Okay. So what if somebody had what they call mattress money? How long does that mattress money has to be seasoned before they can purchase? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> man, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> okay. So that mattress money, that wall money. Okay. The, 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 what I would tell anybody that, that say they don't believe in banks. Let's say it that way. Right? Yes. Yes. They don't um, believe in banks. They don't believe in banks. I would say that you want to at least have it in in, in an account three months prior to you start looking. So the 90 because day rules apply. 90, 90 day rules. Because technically you need some and some lenders will require you have 60 days with the pay six up. I mean, I'm sorry, with the bank statements, and others will require 30 days. Shoebox money. There you go. <laughs> shoebox money. I like that better. Yeah, that's shoebox money, huh? 
Yeah. So, I mean, it just really depends on it depends on the lender. But I, I would venture I, I tell anybody, just make sure that you have it in the account at least 60 days prior to you start looking so that when we ask for bank statements, we see the bank statements, the money is already there and there's not a big deposit. Because a lot of times what's going to happen is anything that's that's over one. Well, anything that's actually over one percent of the sales price or and to make sure I got this right, one percent of the sales price or e- equivalent to the earnest money. They're going to ask questions about it. They're going to source it. And I'm talking about primarily looking at the bank statement and they see these big deposits. We're going to have to source it, which basically sourcing mean that. We need to know where it came from. There's a paper trail. Where did it come from? So what what is the, the thing about gift money? Because some people thinking, oh, my dad's going to give me money, but he doesn't want to move it the day before closing. Can you explain to them when, the, when they do the gift money that some lenders require evidence of where they got that money? Can you explain that to the audience, please? Oh, absolutely. They all should be requiring that. All lenders going to require that because it's a it's a guideline and not not an overlay. Um, but basically, what it is, it's um, if if Mama want to give you five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, they can do one of two things. They well, first they got to fill out the form, right? Uh, and basically, the form just outline who's giving the money, what the relationship is. Bank information, name, number, address, and everybody signs, right? And you get the signatures. Once you have that letter, the gift letter form, then you can make the decision on if, if they want to give you the money. So if they give you the money, that means that we need to get a, a, a bank statement from the gifter showing the money coming from the account. At the same time, we need your bank statement full bank statement at that showing the money being deposited into the account. So it's a total paper trail or the easiest route is they can just wire to the title company at closing. Okay. So how far in advance, like if they got two weeks before closing, how far you in advance require the gift money for proof of funds? Like if somebody say, Oh, I just didn't have enough money at closing. Then the dad say, well, I'm going to go borrow the money you just paid me back. Does that debt count against the buyer or does that debt count against the person that borrowed the money? If he borrowed as, the money to give to the buyer. As they as, as their lender, you know what I'm telling them? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that. Okay. You know, and I'm going to tell you why. You don't want once an underwriter sees something, they can't unsee it. Right? Exactly. So, essentially, you don't want the underwriter catching wind that your gift funds came from money being borrowed. Now, mind you, again, we got to keep in mind that the same thing applies for the gifter. If there is a big deposit on their, you know, on, on their bank statement, they're going to want to know where that money came from. So it works for them the same way I was saying before that you have to have that money seasoned for at least two months prior to you saying that you're going to be a gifter. But going back to what you're saying as far as if it's two weeks before closing, as a lender, I'm asking, okay, okay, Pop, where's the money coming from? Because we still got to source it from you. So if you're going to, if you're going to borrow the money or whatnot, that underwriter is going to find out about it because they're going to be asking questions about where is the money coming from? 
So now we have to be thinking, okay, what what else do you have? Is there someone else? The person that you're borrowing it from, perhaps maybe that needs to be the person that, that you get the gift from. But we also got to keep in mind too that it has to be family. Yes. It's so, uh, I have a question here for you. It says, what type of programs does... <laughs> does DeMont company offer for people with low credit scores and how do you enroll? Could you please give them your information, um, your website or, um, so Kesha can post it and Absolutely. Or they can contact you. All right. I just put my, I give my application link. So to answer that question, um, When you ask what type of programs does the company offer, uh, I mean, next offer a lot of different things. But in terms of with low credit, that's really that's that's going to be on your I would like to say that's on your loan officer. What I do is I I take home buyers and I don't turn anybody down. So let's just say you call me and we're looking at your credit. Uh, the credit score is a 540, right? First thing you're thinking like, oh man, I can't buy a house at 540. My first conversation to you is, that's not true. Let's look and see what type of debt do you have. Do you have good debt or do you have bad debt? Because there is a such thing as good and bad debt. Secondly, do you have a lot of debt or do you have very little? Most people don't understand that somebody that don't have very much debt, that's a harder, that's a harder sell in order to get someone, I mean, get someone credit improved because we don't have anything to fix. Whereas somebody that has a ton of debt. We can start doing some things to get that get that debt removed and increase that credit score. So the first thing I do is I do what's called a credit analysis. Uh, I try to see if there's anything that we can do, meaning uh, can we pay down some debt? Can we add a credit card? Um, can we do a, a number of different things in order to increase the score? If we can do that, we put that game plan together, we work together and get it done. If that doesn't happen, that's when I call my credit guy um, I don't know if I can say his name or not, but we become okay. I call my credit guy Justin Merch. We created Credit Solutions, and we go from there. I start sending the information. Well, with your approval, I send your information to him. He will give you a call within 24 hours. He'll go over a game plan. Now, the thing about his game plan is the game plan is going to it's going to be honest. So if you don't qualify, he will tell you. If you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, he's not going to take your money. He's going to tell you, hey, I need you to do these items here. Once you got that done, give me a call in three months. We'll revisit and see how you look. Right. Um, but let's just say that he, he identifies some things and he tells you, well, look, this is going to be a six month job and it's going to cost X amount of dollars. The first thing I tell my guys, look, he ain't cheap and he's not expensive, but he's damn fair for what he does. Right. Because we've been a thousand three years working with my man. I've never had anybody I've sent to him that used his program that he did not send back, including myself. And I'm being honest, you know. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I can tell you firsthand what type of work my guy does, and we go from there. So in saying that, uh, what he'll do is he'll take control over what you have. And if Bree is your, if Bree is your, your realtor, she's going to have a link to follow everything that he's doing on your credit, along with you, along with you as the client, and along with me as the lender. Therefore, all four of us, because we're a team, your lender, your realtor, your credit guy, and you as the buyer, we're all synced, synced as a unit, and we're watching your credit improve week after week. So when it's time when, when it's time for him to, to, to let you go, he'll give me a call. Hey, DeMont, such and such is ready. It's time for you to pull up credit. 
Then that same phone call comes to Bree. Hey, Bree, such and such is ready. Y'all can go ahead and start looking for houses. You know, and just make it that easy. As far as like uh, closings, how quickly can you close? 30 days, 21 days, depending on everything, how quickly can you close? Well, that that is twofold. It depends on it depends on the buyer. Um, okay. how quickly they're getting documents to me. Um, you know, if if I ask you for something, you're getting it back to me like that, it's easy, right? But if I have to fight you and include your realtor on text messages and emails when we asking for things and you're not sending them back to me, then I'm letting them know, look, this is gonna delay the process. Now, at the same time, right now in this market, appraisers are kicking our butt. Yes. Um, it's hit or miss. Um, like, again, going back to one of those, I got a same day approval with, with two loans uh, that, that, that should have been closing at what's that? Should have been closed, should be closing on Wednesday, right? Would have been closing on Wednesday. Two, two same day approvals, which would have been 15 day closings. But the appraisal on one, they did it after two weeks. The other is not going to happen for another week. So it all depends on on the appraisal right now. And it's like I said, it's, it's almost the luck of the draw and figuring out if you're going to get you a good one, you'll get a bad one. But in terms of how fast I can, I can close, I've had some, let's see, I had a USDA close in two weeks. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my board too, by the way. So okay. I had a, uh, not USDA, a VA loan closed in two weeks. Uh, I had, I'm talking about stuff for this month, a refi that closed in three weeks. And a week of that was us waiting on him. And I got a couple of other loans that closed last week. They were 21 and three, four, 24 days. So, I mean, all my closes are actually in under 30 days. Okay, okay. Uh, I forgot what I had to ask you. I'm sorry, I'm just long. Oh, no, it's okay, it's okay. So I do want to say this. Um, guys, everybody that's listening and logged in, if you are uh, looking to buy, you know, contact me contact him and you know let him know um Demond, i do have one more question for you as far as uh va loans mm -hmm. we're going to talk about that next month it's va loans and usda loans um do you do those va loans i do everything VA loan, texas vet yes ma'am i do everything I got a loan for just about any any homeowner out there. Now, I may not have done it before, and I will be honest and tell you, I've never done this type of loan before, but I got a lender for you. Okay, okay. But as far as VA, USA, I do, I do a lot of VAs, yes. Okay. So what I want you to do now, we have five minutes left. If there are any more questions out there, put your questions on the screen. Um, but what I want you to do is, again, your name, your phone number, um, you can put it in the feed as well to let people know, you know, where you're located, um, the company you work for. And just, you know, tell them how long that you've been in the business. We forgot to introduce that at the beginning. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Um, my name again is DeMont Mathis. I am a uh, senior loan originator with Nexa Mortgage. I've uh, been in the business for well over 20 years. Um, I've done some of everything. Uh, ironically enough, Ken Waffle Guy and I used to work together. We were underwriters together at Chase. Uh, yeah, the Waffle Man. Yeah, we, we were underwriters together at Chase. So uh, that, that's my guy. But um, 
I've done everything in the mortgage that you can think of. So when you're dealing with someone like like myself, you're dealing with someone who's going to take his time and is going to treat you like I would want someone to treat my wife, my my mother, my brother, my sister, my uncle, my cousin, the whole line, the whole nine. Uh, I ask for a lot of stuff up front because I pre-underwrite my files up front. I'd rather us have a task getting everything in the beginning, but then when we get down to the closing, it's smooth sailing. You know, because I'm a worst case scenario thinker. So a lot of times you can, you're you're going to ask me a question. I'm going to give you a worst case scenario answer simply because I don't want to give you best case. And then something happens because in this industry, in our industry, mm-hmm. we don't control everything. We're waiting on really? other different entities. Right. So people, I mean, somebody not, may not work as hard as I work meaning the appraiser, meaning the title company or this or that, the listing agent or the buyers, whoever, right? They may not work as hard as I would. So again, I try to base everything off of worst case scenario to give you a fresh shot of having a full understanding of everything that we're doing. And I keep my phone on 24 seven because that's my lifeline. So I tell my clients, I'm not eight to five, nine to six, I'm 24 seven. I work on Saturdays, I work on Sundays, you know, you text my church. I, hey, I text you back. Like, you know, I, I call you when I get a service. But I'm open simply because I don't want you to have to wait on Monday morning to get an answer for something that you need on a Sunday or, or you know, especially doing the cowboy game. You know, I answer my phone doing the cowboy game. Imagine that, right? Imagine that. If they're so, honest in the beginning, you'll let them know up front when they try to be a little go around the curve. Just let them know everything comes out. I mean, it doesn't. You can't hide anything when you apply for a house because they pull up everything. Stuff that you thought was not on your credit is still there, you know. So they do. They, they have to be honest uh, with you up front. We well, I tell to- them to uh, treat me treat me like I'm your attorney. Tell me everything because I might have a way to get around what you're looking at. Yes, yes. Again, guys, I want to... Uh, he'll be back next month and next month when he comes back, uh, he'll probably touch up on the FHA and the uh, conventional loans. But next month, we're going to dig deep into the VA loans and, and like the USDA loan. So that's what we're going to do. His information is in there. Um, make sure you all contact him. I am Labrita Dues. I'm a realtor. My phone number is 817-975-9284. And I am the owner of KLS Realty Group, brokered by Ready Real Estate. So if you don't have a realtor and you're looking to buy, or if you just have questions right now, um, just give me a call and I'll be, I'll do everything I can to, to make things work. And if you um, still want to talk to me first, and then I'll send you over to DeMont, just make sure if you do call him and you don't have a realtor, just say podcast and he'll know uh, that it was me. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you all. And I will see you all the fourth Monday of every month. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, DeMont, for being here. Next month, we'll be back. He'll be, like I said, going over a few things. But we're going to be definitely talking about VA loans and Texas vet loans and USDA loans. Welcome. And thank you again. I appreciate everyone for listening. Again, you can call me at 817-975-9284.
if there are any more questions.